BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, friends, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Bill Press Pod. As we all make our way through these difficult days dealing with the grim reality of the coronavirus, we are often reminded that, quote, we are all in this together. Yes, that's true, but there are some among us who are more in this to a greater degree and at greater risk than the rest of us. Most of us, right, can shelter at home, but many workers cannot because their jobs demand that they be on the front line serving all the rest of us. Of course, I'm talking about our health professionals, doctors and nurses on the front line in hospitals, clinics, and testing stations, also paramedics, police officers, bus drivers, UPS delivery staff, and others. And don't forget those who work in essential businesses like our big grocery store chains, those who stock the shelves, those who serve us in the store, those who check us out, every one of them putting their lives at risk every day, many of whom had tested positive and several of whom have fallen victims to the coronavirus. In a sign of the urgency of the times, in fact, the United Food and Commercial Workers Union and one of the largest grocery store chains, Albertsons, have joined forces to take extra measures to protect their workers. We caught up today with Mark Perrone, president of the UFCW, representing 1.3 million grocery store retail workers and people that prepare and process our food. President Perron, thank you so much for joining us. And let me let me ask you first of all, if you could just tell us what's the reality out there today for for your members? What kind of challenges are they facing in the workplace every day? I think that the largest challenge is the number of people that they're seeing on a day to day basis. Um, many days, um, well, normal days, workers would see about eight hundred people. During some of the spikes that we've seen, the surges, we've seen as many as 10,000 per day through these stores. So, and if the CDC numbers are correct, that 50% of the people, the population may be asymptomatic, there is a pretty good chance um, our members are going to get exposed. In fact, we did a survey, an online survey. Normally, we might get 1,000 respondents. Um, mm-hmm. in a week, uh, in three days, we got over 5,000 respondents, 80% of those respondents believe that they're going to, uh, catch the virus at work. We're starting to see massive, uh, numbers across the country, depending on the hotspot, uh, of our members coming down with the virus. <laughs> so, uh, the challenges that they have at the moment is some employers positions are, uh, if you have the virus, uh, we're going to make sure you're paid. Um, if you don't have the virus uh, and you're just sick, uh, it would be under normal conditions. You would go through the collective bargaining agreement that we have. Now, the, the, the problem with that is, is this. 
um, testing is not available. And yeah. if they do get the testing, uh, the results are slow. So we have many of our workers uh, may not be tested in that 14-day period that they're sent home for quarantine. And then uh, we're having challenges with uh, some HRs, you know, a human resource departments, uh, to make sure that those people are being paid. And so if you consider that, a worker that goes into work that knows they may not get paid for 14 days may say to themselves, can I really afford to be off for 14 days without pay? So, mm -hmm. so uh, it's really a public health risk for some of the essential employers. And who I mean by that is retail food stores, pharmacies, uh, food processing places that we represent, distribution centers that distribute the food. It's really irresponsible for them uh, to take that position because it can ultimately impact uh, our food supply. And, you know, we've had some success with some of our employers uh, that have been very forthright uh, and, and wanting to do the right thing. And I'm, I'm really proud of some of those employers that have done that. Would it help? For your members uh, and those who are on the front lines in the, uh, particularly the big retail stores, the grocery stores, to be classified as emergency responders, would that help them well, if, get up to the front of the line maybe for testing? It would, in fact, help them go to the front of the line for testing. Um, it would not necessarily help. We had been told it was going to help as it related to the response or the rapidity of how fast they were going to get the results back. But now I'm starting to hear things from EMTs that they're having the same sort of trouble. You know, it is not our intent, okay, um, to take healthcare masks from healthcare workers or first responders. Uh, it is our intent, however, uh, to try to get in the queue to get those masks if they're designated first responders. We've had some employers trying to obtain masks. Uh, Safely and Kroger both uh, tried to obtain masks, uh, as well as um, Ahold, Stop and Shop. The challenge that they had, however, was in the case of Kroger, um, Italy uh, took the masks that they had already had slated for Kroger that they had said they were going to be shipped and delivered on a certain day. Uh, my suspicion is that um, they were outbid. Now they didn't, they didn't say that to me, but that's my suspicion. If you listen to the governors around the country uh, that talk about uh, we're in this free enterprise system uh, for the purposes of trying to buy the necessary personal protection equipment that workers need. Uh, it has become mm -hmm. somewhat of a survival of the fittest or dog-eat-dog -dog world out there, just trying to provide protection for people that are trying to keep us healthy uh, and or keep us fed. You know, our society, we've seen what happened in the stores uh, over the past few weeks with toilet paper. Um, 
you can't find it. Now, the yeah. reason why you can't find it uh, is not so much that people are hoarding. It's our supply system. Uh, toilet paper manufacturers manufacture toilet paper in two types of plants. One for home and the other is commercial. And therefore, they're not set up um, to deal with the extra people that are now at home, that are working from home. Uh, the same mm -hmm. thing goes with uh, food suppliers, you know, and our next major concern uh, from the United Food and Commercial Workers is that most of these manufacturing facilities for food or, or processing places are in the rural parts of the United States. And that presents two challenges. The first challenge is the fact that the healthcare systems in those areas are uh, stressed. In fact, I saw on Meet the Press this weekend of 161 rural counties, there is one, uh, let me repeat that, one ICU bed in 161 counties. Whoa. <laughs> and, and so if they get sick, uh, and they're in that 20% or 30% range that get really sick. Um, there's not going to be the healthcare facilities to take care of them. That's, that's number one. Number two, uh, the sheer volume of these facilities, the number of people that they are working in, two, 3,000 people um, per unit. Uh, we've got one that's got 5,000 people in it. It's like, and I hate to use this analogy, but it's like a big cruise ship on the, that's stable or mm -hmm. stationary. Mm -hmm. So everybody's working side by side, a foot and a half or less apart from each other. The transmission of the disease can, or the virus can happen very easily. We know now that uh, it stays airborne for up to three hours. We know now that... Uh, Water vapor from just talking uh, can spread it. And so that's my next concern as it relates to what happens to our food supply. And if they're in rural areas of the country, where are they going to be able to find that number of workers that have that skill set to do that job? Because there is a skill set associated with the breakdown of the proteins, whether or not it's pork, beef, or poultry. And, mm -hmm. and so um, that is our major concern. And we've been having conversations with all of our, our poultry processors, our packers, uh, and, you know, in all our industries to make sure that we're doing temperature checks going in and out of facilities that masks are being offered um, and that they can wear them. Um, uh, we're making sure that they've been doing separation in the cafeterias and the lunch rooms. We've even put up uh, lunch tents outside of the plant so that people can separate even more. Um, mm -hmm. And we're making sure that, the absenteeism policy is is been relaxed, as well as um, their sick policies to make sure that people are paid. Um, but 
you know, what we're seeing mostly right now on the news has been talking about the grocery store workers. Right. You know, so those folks are seeing lots and lots of people a day. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about because someone in a health official told me the other day that outside of a hospital and a clinic, that the two most dangerous places in America today are probably grocery stores and pharmacies, both for customers, but also for those, particularly your members, who work in them. So what what working with the your employers and the owners, what kind of protections have you been able to put in place to protect your members and customers as well? Well, you probably have seen the plexiglass shields. Um, right. That was a direct result of our conversations um, with Safeway and then with Kroger. Uh, Safeway was... Uh, very quick to agree to start putting them up. Uh, they ran uh, test locations in Colorado and then started em- uh, employing them in all their stores. Um, but, you know, that was taking time. Um, sure. What they were doing is that they were saying that if somebody was sick, uh, if they showed any of the five or six signs of COVID, they were sending them home for 14 days and they were paying them. Um, they also came forth very rapidly with, with, um, uh, essential worker pay or, and some of them called it emergency pay. Kroger's just calling theirs heroes pay or whatever. Um, you know, that's, that's how they came forward with it. But, you know, they immediately started trying to obtain masks. And like I said, they had masks in certain situations that were guaranteed right. to them by a certain date. Uh, and then they were, uh, the masks were shipped to another, uh, another country or, or another mm-hmm. state. Uh, and they didn't get them. I, I had had a lot of respect for the CDC. Um, I always thought the CDC was the center of, uh, for prevention and disease control in this country. I did not think, however, that they were responsible to try to determine where protective equipment went. By them telling customers and workers that you should only wear a mask if you were sick, they sent the wrong signal to the employers and to the customers about those masks. And uh, many of the employers were concerned, okay, that if their workers wore masks in the stores, and many of them had their own PPE at home, like, you know, I've got N95 masks mm-hmm. here that that I did drywall with, uh, you know, at my home, or I did insulation work in the attic. And and they weren't allowing them to wear them initially. We were arguing with them about it. But they said, oh, the CDC guidelines say you don't wear them unless you're sick. And we don't want our customers to think our employees are sick because they're not. Well, at that time, we didn't even know that uh, 50% of the population could be asymptomatic. So the CDC, in its first initial 
directives, you know, potentially allowed for the disease to spread. If they were telling us, and this is the thing that kept ringing in my ears, if they're telling us to cough into our our elbow, and if everybody had masks on, the workers, the customers, everybody, isn't it logical that we would have prevented people from getting the disease? Yeah, of course. Well, the only thing I got to say, Bill, is this, and, and here's what I would ask. Some of this is out of the hands of, of our employers now. Some of it's out of the hands of, of this union. But it's not out of the hands of our customers. And I am imploring them that when they go to the stores, do a makeshift mask. Uh, the CDC now, the Surgeon General, has shown how to do one from home. Uh, just out of cloth and and rubber bands. Right. It would be it would be better, okay, that if everybody does that. Because I go, I was in six stores this weekend, and the number of people that weren't wearing masks after the CDC said that if you go out, you should be wearing them. It was incredible. I went to union stores and non-union stores alike to see what was happening in those locations. And it was it was just incredible that people still aren't doing what's necessary to slow this disease down. And I have to commend Eric Garcetti in Los Angeles for him mandating it yesterday that all customers and employees in these type of stores that you were mentioning, the pharmacies and the grocery stores, uh, to wear masks. Uh, I thought it was uh, courageous, uh, and I think it's the right thing to do. And I think more mayors and governors need to do that uh, in this country. Is there more safe? Is it safer for people just to have their groceries delivered at home and not go out to the grocery store. Well, let me ask you a question about that. The delivery people that are going to those homes, in many cases, if you're under quarantine, you can't get out and you're not supposed to go out. And so you're ordering groceries at home and the delivery person that's bringing them to you is, is meeting you and ultimately having some transactions with you. And then they're going to another location and they're in fact having transactions with other people. Is it not also the possibility that it's spreading more because of it? I think that's a very valid question and I've heard that raised as well. So finally, let me ask you this, uh, Mark. What, what do we learn from this about the importance of healthcare for every American? and the importance of family medical leave for every American? Look, I think the importance is, is that if, in fact, you're going to stop a disease that is this contagious, a virus that's this contagious, that the only way that you can make sure that it doesn't spread more rapidly than necessary is to provide health care for people and family medical leave. We have workers today that have 
family members at home because we have multi-generational households. You know, retail food workers, union and non-union alike, okay, um, live from paycheck to paycheck. Yep. And, and if they have to decide whether or not they're going to have health care or they're going to have food or they're going to have a roof over their head, in some cases, some of these workers are deciding for a roof over their head and food over health care. And if they're going to get sick and they know the impact financially that's going to have on them, uh, they have a tendency to stay away from the health care facilities that they need in order to keep it from spreading. Sure. Well, President Perone, to you and your members, uh, you are on the front lines, your members putting their lives on the line uh, every day. We value your work more than ever, your leadership in this area. And uh, thank you for taking time for us today here on the Bill Press Pod. Bill, I want to thank you um, for the work that you're doing to highlight the work of our members. And I want to say the following to you. They don't view themselves as heroes, but they are, they are very happy that people are finally starting to understand that they are, in fact, essential. So thank you so much. And that's it for today's episode, special episode of the Bill Press Pod with Mark Perone, the president of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Thank you so much for joining us. And please remember three little tasks we ask of you. One is, if you haven't already done so, Subscribe to the Bill Press Pod by going to wherever you're listening to this podcast. Pull up the Bill Press Pod and click on subscribe. And two, please then tell all of your friends to do the same so we can continue to grow the podcast. And three, please follow me on Twitter at Bill Press Pod, at Bill Press Pod. That way you'll keep up with all of my comments on the news of the day and also know every time there's another episode of the Bill Press Pod on its way to you. Meanwhile, stay safe, practice social distancing, stay strong, and come back for the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.